The Real Estate Sessions podcast is sponsored by AdWorks. AdWorks makes digital advertising for real estate brilliantly simple. Promote your brands, promote your listings, learn more at adworks.com. That's A-D-W-E-R-X.com, adworks.com. And that really is my goal as a manager was how do I make them more successful? The first thing I had to do was figure out how I could help them because I didn't have any background. I didn't have any technical skills. I knew nothing, literally nothing about their, their job other than realtors came to visit them, dropped off contracts, and when it was all done, they sent checks to the realtors. That's all I knew. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions and join industry leaders as they share their stories and offer tips and advice to real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Risser of Chicago Title, Arizona. Oh, not so fast. You know what? Not very often do you get to take control and have a friend that trusts you as much as Bill Richter does. This is Holly Mabry, and you may remember me from episode two. And if you don't remember me from episode two, I invite you to download it. Um, I am so excited. A, a few months ago, uh, a good friend of mine, Carrie Melcher, and I were teasing Bill about, gosh, could we ever turn the table? And you know what? Today's the day. So welcome, friends, to episode 50. And Bill, I am so excited I get to interview you. Holly, I can't tell you how excited I am as well. Uh, This should be a lot of fun. Oh, it's totally going to be a lot of fun and even better. So, friends, I I do want to pull back the curtain and let you all know that um, Bill was a little nervous because I didn't forward my questions. So we are going to set him up for success uh, as far as the real estate sessions and just kind of share some things. Bill, uh, thank you for being my guest uh, on your podcast. Um, So let's start with the basics, my friend. Tell me about your background. Tell me, you know, how you got involved in this fantastic, crazy business that we know as real estate. Well, well, my story is much like everyone else that I've interviewed, and I, this is not my first career. I actually worked for the San Diego Padres for about 12 years back in the late 80s, uh, right up until the late 90s, and I had a friend here in the Valley who worked for Chicago Title who told me, if you ever really want to get a real career, let me know. Kind of half joking about the fact that I worked <laughs> in professional sports, you know. And so that that opportunity did come up. I uh, missed um, an entire year of T-ball with my son. And so I knew that this was not going to be the way I wanted it to be. He was six at the time. And so I, I reached out to uh, my friend Dwayne here in the Valley and said, eh, I'd like to talk to you about it. And we moved out here in the fall of 99. And I started with Chicago title uh, January of 2000. And I, um, that was my beginning uh, into the real estate space. My only other experience with real estate at that point was buying and selling our home uh, in the East Valley out in San Diego. Wow. So kind of a stretch and then totally not really because you know people are people and and service at a high level you just took that major league service and brought it across is that right yeah i think that's the way to look at it you know i i um started off with chicago title as a sales executive for the first year at the metro center office um and and i was not very good at the sales side of things i i could help people and i liked that part of it but i 
I struggled asking for the deal. I struggled asking for the transaction. And as you know, Holly, being in sales and consultative sales yourself, that's not going to work. So I found myself um, struggling with that part of the, the business. And one year into my my experience with Chicago Title, I was actually offered a branch management position. So I took over the Metro Center office after one year of sales experience and zero escrow experience. And so you're right when you talk about the major league service, I had to figure that out quickly, especially, you know, walking into a, an office with five women who uh, were looking at me like you've been in the business a year and you've never done escrow and you're now our manager. Yeah. How's this going to work out? So that's, that was my uh, real, real introduction to what I was going to be doing for the next 10 years. Wow. Wow. So how long were you branch manager? Cause that's a lot of, Hurting cats, would that be, and juggling flaming bowling balls, would that be fair? Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. It's it's definitely trying to make sure, you talked about setting someone up for success at the beginning, and that really is my goal as a manager, was how do I make them more successful? The first thing I had to do was figure out how I could help them, because I didn't have any background, I didn't have any technical skills. I knew nothing, literally nothing about their, their job other than realtors came to visit them, dropped off contracts, and when it was all done, they sent checks to the realtors. That's all I knew. So I quickly figured out what they didn't like to do. I found some trouble areas in our branch, like a, a room filled with files that they said, oh, don't worry about those. Those are trouble files. And I said, what, what does that mean, trouble files? They go, oh, they've got money in them or they don't balance. And I knew enough to know that was bad. So at that point, I, I spent the next four months, you know, going through those files one at a time and correcting each one of those files by um, finding one of, the, one of the team that was the least busy at that moment in time and saying, okay, I've got this far, what do I do next? And so they, that was my, you know, that's my learning. That's how I learned escrow was this experience of fixing all these problem files. And then of course I quickly learned how to do signings. And I would say within a week, I, I did my first signing. I read through the loan package like seven times and did my first closing. I feel so bad for those people because I really didn't know what I was doing, but, um, but that's, that's how I gained the trust of the, the team that I was working with. And I managed that operation for uh, a year before opening my new office uh, in Gilbert in 2002. Wow, so you really got to see the, kind of the behind the scenes and, you know, thank, first let me just say this, thank you. Thank you for going after the troubled, the troubled children, so to speak, those troubled files, because there's no better way to learn a business inside out than start with the ones that are ugly. I completely agree. It really got me geared up for what had to happen. Um, what was coming next as I gained more and more experience on the technical side of escrow. And I, I just have to take this moment. I got to tell you the toughest job in our entire industry, there are a lot of tough jobs. I can think on the lending side and the realtor side, but I am telling you to be a really good escrow officer who makes the realtor client, you know, the, our realtor clients feel special. That is such a skill because I try to equate this to you have five things you got to get done in the next four minutes. They must all get done. But your best client, your best realtor customer calls you and says, I need this done now. And somehow they get it done. It's insane to watch what they do. And, you know, I had to take over for, for 
escrow officers when they went on vacation. And my wife knew it. That the second I got home, she she looked at me and she said, "Someone's on vacation, right?" I said, "Yeah," because I was a different guy. I, there was I was grumpy. I, it was tough. I mean, they they are they are miracle workers. That I, I don't think enough realtors see that. I think that um, you know they just kind of you got to remember the the good escrow officers doing between thirty five and forty five escrows a month, juggling all those balls. And when they do it right, you feel like you're their only deal that month. It's pretty special. It's absolutely special. And I, I think that, you know, I would invite any agent out there, if you haven't gone and taken your escrow officer to lunch lately, please do. Those people are working extra hard, uh, especially with all of the new uh, changes. Can we talk about TRID this early, Bill? Sure, sure, whatever you want to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say, I mean, with all the changes in TRID, You've seen so many changes since 2002. What have been the biggest mountains that you've seen climbed in escrow lately? Well, if you want to go back to 2002, it's definitely it's the, the technology has changed so much. In fact, you know, I stepped away from branch management in 2011. So from 2002 to 2011, the big change was we were now, everything was online. I mean, I remember, I sound like this old grizzled veteran, here I go. I remember, you know, having to go run over to the, the lender to pick up the loan documents, bring them back so the escrow officer could work them up and then deliver them back to the lender so they could fund, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, there were a few times I drove escrow documents. I remember that. Yep. So the technology really was the big jump for me in the 2000s. Everything moved on to platforms. You have easy ways to share documents, easy ways to get a link to an entire prelim plus all the backup instead of having to wait for the giant package to be mailed to you from a title company. So that, that technology really you know, came quickly and that was a, a real big change. I think secondly, you know, what we're seeing more and more now as we move through this is we found ways to automate the system behind the scenes, something that you probably don't see out in, the, uh, in your world, but we've got a lot of things going on, a lot of things being combined and um, some efficiencies incorporated that have really radically changed what title and escrow do now um, behind the scenes. So those are the two probably biggest changes since my time here. So I want to go back to the, when you look at the standardizing of platforms and, and that streamlining of getting everything online, that's critical. We've, we've seen that on the real estate side, but on the escrow side to, to help you all be much more efficient. Bill, back in 2002 when you started, about how many escrows were or transactions were those officers handling at that time? You know, it was, you yeah, it was fewer than the, what we're talking about now. I mean, you had, it just depended on the escrow officer, but you know, 30, 35 would be a really good uh, month for a, a good escrow officer. Um, still a lot of work, uh, well, you took more labor. It took maybe another assistant or it had, you just had a different workflow to the whole process uh, because the timing was off just a little bit. You know, we didn't have the ability to, I mean, just the fact that we could email loan documents, uh, have email, have loan documents emailed to us was huge. I mean, that changed the timing of a lot of things and helped increase that efficiency. But it, um, you know, the escrow officers that I've, that I work with today, I've, I know some that are in the business 40 years, uh, they've been through this entire, you know, you can imagine typing up a HUD in triplicate on an IBM Selectric 2. That's what they did back then. I cringe. <laughs> That's what they did. <laughs> uh, 
So yeah, somebody who could do a HUD by hand, you know, I'm here, I'm talking about HUDs. I'm already dating myself because we don't do HUDs anymore. Imagine doing a CD by hand or a loan estimate. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And and, it's so what the the talent and the skill set that our, our escrow officers have had, especially those who have, you know, earned their stripes over the last, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. Oh my goodness. So in, in your evolution, because you have become especially so key and integral, at least from my point of view, in the technology, were you a, a big proponent and driver in your individual office as well as with your company? Yeah, I, I was always trying to find ways to do things a little bit differently, right? In my role as a branch manager, I wasn't an escrow officer. I never really would claim to be an escrow officer, but but I knew how to manage a process. And going back to my days at the Padres, I knew how to look at how we were doing things and could we do them a little different. And so when you talk about technology, I did goofy things like um, create spreadsheets that allowed me to track things better and then use those spreadsheets to send updates to people. If you think about that, that's ridiculous today because we have platforms that do that automatically. that will send an email telling you what's in, what's not, those kinds of things. So I've al- I was always thinking that way. And our company... You know, we're part of a Fortune 500, you know, big company. So they were leaders uh, in getting new technology to us. But for me, it was always kind of a little slow getting to us. So I, I always tried to find a way to do something a little bit different. Right on. So you trans transitioned, what, in 2011. And, and tell me about what that looks like and, and how that kind of opened up into these new opportunities. Sure. Well, I'll start in, it was 2008. I don't know if you remember 2008. Do you remember 2008 in our business, Holly? You know, I, do you really want to make me cry? Cause I'm about to. <laughs> so imagine uh, an escrow branch manager. Would you, would you believe that I had a little time on my hands in 2008? <laughs> I think we all did. Right. Sadly. So that allowed me to start. I've always been techie. Um, I mean, I helped you know, wire up Qualcomm Stadium back in the day with the Padres with Ticketmaster, and I was part of that process and oversaw that. So I've always liked technology. And social's exploding. And I went ahead and uh, signed up for Active Rain. I got an invite for Active Rain somewhere early in 2008. Jumped on that site, started reading all these different things that people were doing. And that was state of the art back in the day. Uh, and I I stumbled across Twitter. Um, I started playing with some others with some blogging. I did a little blog for my branch, you know, that I would never tell corporate about. Uh, it was always better to beg forgiveness and ask permission sometimes back <laughs> in the day. Uh, I might edit this out before I post it. No. Anyways, I, the, uh, I, I noted. Yeah. So I it definitely, you know, I, I was interested in what these things, how these things were going along. And I had a, a sales exec who said, you know, Bill, I've got agents who really need to understand how Facebook works and you're playing with it. Is there any way you could do a class on that? And I thought about it and I go, well, first of all, I'm I'm playing with Facebook, but I don't think it's going to, I don't care about Facebook. No one's going to care about Facebook. I said that in 2008, uh, in, in 2009, I did my first Facebook workshop for a brokerage in the East Valley. I feel horrible once again for those people because that class was terrible, but you got to start somewhere. And I Absolutely. Kept, right. So I, I kept progressing and, and all of a sudden, you know, we're doing some LinkedIn workshops and someone wanted to know about Twitter. And then the, I was playing with TweetDeck and Hootsuite and all these different tools that were out there. And, uh, you know, it started to kind of evolve into 
a way for me to build my branch back up out of the dark days, we'll call it. And so I, I actually went to Quest at the time and had them put Wi-Fi in the branch. I didn't ask again. I just did it because back in early 2009, you know, an act of, it would be an act of Congress to get Wi-Fi in an escrow branch. They didn't get why you would need that. But that allowed me to bring realtors into the conference room. And I can't tell you how many times I had to teach people how to hook up to Wi-Fi. Remember, this is 2009. We take it for granted today, right? Absolutely. I was yeah. just at a park and they've got Wi-Fi. Right. So I, I, I went ahead and set up the uh, – get everyone hooked up, and then we would do these workshops. And that went on for um, a good six months. And then we were able to then grab a um, – the suite next door to us opened up, and we created a co-working space for techie realtors. And that, that really was the start of me kind of creating this position for me that allowed me to really kind of move it on to this new level where in 2011, I was able to uh, – a branch manager came over to our operation and, and I was able to transition her into my operation. And I then became – at that time, I was vice president of uh, new media and education or education and new media, Bill can't remember. Now I'm vice president of digital strategy, but um, it allowed me then to focus on helping our sales team by helping realtors figure out what's going on out there in the world of technology. Where it's difficult for an agent to be able to stay on top of everything because there's work to do. You've got files, you've got people, you're showing houses, you're listing, you're doing all this stuff. What if there was somebody who could stay on top of it? Their job was to do that, and that's what we've created uh, back in 2011 for me and thank goodness i i remember getting to meet you for the first time and and i think we've talked about it before it was via twitter and you know i had heard about you through you know one of the forums or one of the classes i had taken that that basically you were the guy to, you were the go-to guy whether it was on anything social media related and then all of a sudden i started hearing this i don't know vibe or, or this energy coming out of this real estate uh, think tank that you guys had at Chicago Title in your in your conference room. And and that synergy was so needed for the, the dark times right. that, that you provided um, and some brilliant minds coming together. I mean, you know, who, who were you playing with at that time? So we had uh, Jay Thompson was you know the the guy who kind of anchored the real estate tech tank he really was the the, the driving force for that um you know i was able to get the space and put it together but when jay moved in and kind of kind of office out of that space because he was you know he had a home office he was kind of doing his branch virtually back in the day his thompson's realty so he was there and and so that brought a lot of people from around the valley but you know some of the usual suspects like a, a nick bastion was there uh, Dean Willett, Chris and Levanway, Char Rundio, uh, D. Patrick Lewis came down there. Phil Sexton made a few appearances at the Tech Tank. And we set it up in such a way that any realtor was welcome to come in. Uh, it was on lockbox, to be quite honest, for two years. And we set that place up with some printers and some other things so that anybody who just needed a place to drop in and get some work done could do it. Um, and it was completely separated from our branch. It had no access whatsoever. It was its own standalone pod, if you want to call it, that allowed people to come in, come in, enjoy the AC, jump on the Wi-Fi, and get some work done. What I love about that is you guys, that, that synergy of, of, of that group really helped propel so much of 
different movements across Arizona real estate, at least in my mind. I mean, how we get to collaborate now, whether it's on, you know, Facebook forums or our different uh, work together, you know, through the Arizona Association and different classes that we get to have, uh, RE Bar Camp. I mean, can you speak a little bit about that? You guys were so, so key to that coming to Arizona. Yeah, I, I wasn't a part of RE Bar Camp 1, um, but I, when we got to RE Bar Camp 2, I was one of the members of the volunteer team from that point forward, from 2 through 5. And really, you know, Nick Bastian was at the original bar camp in San Francisco, and he brought that idea back. He just really liked the idea and the vibe. And, and now you got Jay Thompson and Sasha Lopez and um, Tiffany Cloud and Callie Waterhouse all were part of that. DPL was in there, Phil Sexton again, Dean. And, you know, the, the thought of putting together this unconference where there's no scripted schedule, there are no sponsors, as uh, we tried to do for most of them. And there were there really were no teachers, only a facilitator to get a conversation going. It's really odd because realtors as a group are pretty well conditioned to sit in a room and wait for the instructor like Holly to come in and start the class and then they're involved with you. And that's not what a bar camp is. It really is a crowdsourced, before we knew that name, <laughs> a crowdsourced um, schedule of events, schedule of sessions that anyone can attend and, and Anyone can start a conversation and people that have, that have these similar interests can get together and share what they know and learn from others. Um, we'll put this out here. We're working very hard on getting bar camp back in the fall. So keep, keep an eye out for that. I'm in. Oh my gosh. I, just that opportunity to, to bring people together uh, across different sects like you guys did uh, in different industries has been so key and, and Bill with you, staying on the forefront of all these different technologies um, that has led you. And you mentioned it with Nick coming back from Inman. You have been an Inman ambassador. How many years now? Uh, I, th I, I did four of them. So I think three in San Francisco and one in New York. Um, so okay. it was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was, the, it was kind of the beginning of that process where they were looking for people to spread the word and uh, really quite an experience, you know, the ability to, um, I think Inman is an amazing event. It's really got a, a broad mix of a lot of different things, and it's only getting bigger as time goes on. I'll be going this summer, and you know Gary Vee is going to be the keynote speaker. Um, the Startup Alley with the new technologies that are coming out is always amazing. The vendor, the exhibit hall is you know not as big as NAR <laughs> annual, but it's definitely got a lot of the players, and, and that keeps you know me fresh with what's happening. So is there any technology that you've latched onto in the last, gosh, um, can we narrow it down the last year that you are really seeing as a possibility that anyone listening to this, if they are not there, they need, need to get up to speed as quickly as possible? Yeah, it's, it, it's, a, it's an old technology that realtors struggle with. Um, for the last six years, let's call it, it's been the year of video and real estate, right? Does that sound about right? <laughs> yes, yes, it does. Yes, and you play with video, and a lot of agents who are successful play in that video space, and I think it's only gotten easier every single year. It's become easier and easier to create a video presence that 
can be a multitude of things. It can be you talking to a camera if you have that sort of energy and, that, and you like to do that. And if you're afraid to do that, it can be a voiceover that you're doing or, or even something else you put together. But the apps that have come out and the tools that are out there that allow video to just become, it's just drop dead simple. I mean, there are apps out there now that will basically edit up the video for you. You just add the clips, it takes care of the rest. So if you're not, I, I just think that that's the number one thing. If, if I'm talking to a, um, a realtor who's kind of struggling with trying to grasp what's happening with technology, I say, don't be afraid of video, figure it out. I don't care if it's something like BombBomb, where at least you're having these interactions with clients via video in a drop dead simple way on your phone, uh, any phone, it works on all devices or your computer, explore the world of video. And you know, Facebook Live and Periscope and Blab and Snapchat, they're all based on video. So it's become easier and easier to, to be there, but the numbers are still staggering. Less than somewhere in the two to 5% range of realtors actively use video in their marketing or in their communication. It's astounding. What is the stat right now? It's less than 4% of our communication is video, but they're estimating by like 2020, it will be closer to 98%. Yeah, that's crazy. So yeah, it's, it's bananas, but I mean, let's go back back to back to the future uh back to the future three not our favorite one yes but, you know all of that was, all of that was via video and so you start to look at it it's it's tremendous um and you've probably heard this adage a lot of people get nervous about video because of how they they look right if they don't look right their hair doesn't look right whatever best advice i ever got on video was hey if you don't think you look right on video i'm so sorry that's the way you look in real life. Yep. So get over it yep. and just keep moving. <laughs> I, I've used something similar. Yeah. You know, hey, when I walk past the mirror and I'm always shocked by who is that? Oh, that's me. Yeah. You just get over it. You know, you, you, know, you, you have to just kind of work through it. I, when I was uh, still managing the branch in 2010 to get myself comfortable with video, I forced myself to do 100 video blog posts in 100 days. Um, they're still on my channel. <laughs> I want to go back and see some stupid stuff from Bill, but it, it allowed me to get, I set up a flip cam on a tripod and I just sat there and said, hi, Bill Rister with Chicago title. Today, I'm going to talk about why do we ask this, the seller for an ID statement? And I would do a minute or a minute 20 on that thing. You know, my, my favorite one was I explained the truth and lending in under two minutes and really explained it so an engineer can understand it. Now that one doesn't mean anything anymore. It's kind of done. But, you know, it forced me to get comfortable looking at myself because I've got to edit it up a little bit and you just keep staring at yourself and eventually you get over it. That's what I tell people. That, that's awesome. I, and what a commitment, 100 videos in 100 days. Um, I think I have a new challenge on my hands to be better. Um, so one of the things that uh, when we were in San Diego at the National Association of Realtors Convention last year, you were playing with and doing brilliantly at it, and I'm still struggling myself, and that's Snapchat. Pull back the curtain. Tell me, how are you seeing that being utilized in our business? Are you seeing that take off? Are you, what do you anticipate there? What? There's definitely a core group of realtors who are super excited and doing a lot of very fun things with Snapchat. But generally speaking, when I ask people, how's that helping you with your business? Because ultimately, that's the question you have to get answered. 
the majority of them will say, it's definitely connected me with other realtors around the country who are on Snapchat. And that has led directly to referrals because I've built relationships with other realtors in different parts of the country. I refer them business, they refer business back. That's a given, I completely get that. And that's valuable. Um, so I think that's the number one thing I see with Snapchat. It's the communication. I, I, wanna, I wanna kind of phrase this the, the way I phrase it when I talk to a group of people, but, but that is you know, our job, whether it's me in the world of title or you in the world of real estate or a lender, if, if you can build relationships, if you're good at building relationships, you will be good in real estate. Do you agree with that statement, Holly? Absolutely, because yeah. this is a relationship business, Right. period. So it's about relationships and it's about communicating, communicating with people the way they want to be communicated with. Not, you know, no, nothing earth shattering here, but if somebody likes to text, Trust me, I was a late comer to texting. I admit that freely now. I'm like, ah, eh, whatever, I don't, I don't need to, I'll just email. And now that's ridiculous in the world of real estate. You've got clients all day long who want to text you and you happily text them back, right? When you can, when it, when it doesn't need to be um, you know, memorialized in an email or you need something signed, you're texting a lot of, all the time. And I think that you're gonna see that these different modes of communication, we've already seen it. I, I personally use Facebook Messenger a lot with people. When I'm setting up guests for the podcast, rather than send them an email, I know when I send them a Facebook message, they're gonna see it immediately because they're kind of keyed into those sorts of things. And I get responses back and everything works. I've done that with you, I think even. So the ability to communicate with people where they're hanging out is important. So I don't look at Snapchat as a marketing channel I don't look at Snapchat as a broadcast channel. I look at Snapchat like just about every other social network out there. And it's a way to communicate with people the way they want to be communicated with. So how do we, how do you get over that hump with Snapchat? It, it's definitely got a learning curve to it. Uh, I think that when I, you saw me at, at NAR's convention in San Diego, I was using Snapchat for one thing. I was just, when I travel, my wife likes to know, what are you looking at? She'll text me every now and then, show me what you're looking at. And I'll just take a picture and text it back. Well, Snapchat was a natural solution for that because I could just go, well, I'm walking down the hall. I'll just snap this for 10 seconds. And then I would send it just to her on Snapchat. So she could just pull up her Snapchat at her desk at work and kind of look and see, oh, that's what he's doing today. And it really was a cool, effective tool. If, and if, if nothing else, that's a great way to get started with Snapchat. Just send it back to your significant other and go, yeah, that's what I'm doing. That's cool. But then that led me down the path of finding other people and connecting with other realtors around the country. Uh, Michael Meyer is killing it in New York City. Uh, Dustin Brom is going to be a podcast guest in the next couple of weeks out of Salt Lake City. Um, you've got Neil Mathwig doing the Onion Juice podcast up in Madison, Wisconsin, and Bucky Beeman, the commercial broker up in um, uh, Rochester, Minnesota. Alex um, Wang in, in Silicon Valley doing some amazing things with Snapchat. And... Like I said, I don't see that as a tool that's going to, uh, f to bring traffic into their business, but I see it as a way to communicate that's only going to get bigger as time goes on and the changes they just are releasing right now that allow you to grab your own images and video or save them into their own kind of little Snapchat camera roll so you can redo things later uh, is only going to make Snapchat more valuable. Yeah, the memory function, I think, yeah. all of that is, it's another opportunity to create elbow space for yourself and your brand in the marketplace. But I loved how you and your wife 
were communicating uh, when we were at NAR last year. I, that was that was something very special, I think. Yeah, it, it it absolutely works that way. It's such a visual medium, and you know the the ability to add filters and lenses and and text and all that fun stuff is great. I, I don't do a ton of that, and um, but I can see why it's fun and why people want to do it. So that leads me to the next thing. When you start to talk about technology and creating, you know, kind of your brand and your market, what led you to create the real estate sessions? What what prompted this podcast? It came from the Adam Carolla show. So I'm a big Howard Stern fan. Uh, I've been I've listened to Stern since uh, the early nineties and you know, he's kind of winding down his career and he's not on as much. And now he's three days a week and the vacation days have gone way up. And so there was this void in my day where I would normally kind of listen to Howard. And but I just like, you know, his style and his interviews are amazing. And then um, I found Adam Carolla and I it's always been a fan of Jimmy and Adam Carolla back in the day, all the goofy stuff they did with Crank Yankers, the man show, just you know, interesting stuff. And Adam Carolla actually grew up in Southern California. He's three years younger than I am, I think. And so when he talks about growing up in Southern California, it's, it really resonated with me even more so than Howard growing up on the East coast. So long, long story longer, you know, listening to Carolla, it just hit me that I could do this. I could, I could, I started exploring back last summer. How hard is it really to put a podcast together and what's required? Um, and it would be so fun because I was so connected to a lot of people in Arizona and nationally through Inman that I could probably put together, you know, a, a weekly show just to interview somebody and kind of do what you're doing today, get their backstory. Where did they come from? And so that's what, you know, got me thinking about it. And, you know, I reached out to Jay Thompson to do the first show and he was very kind to do that. I reached out to you for number two and you were awesome to do that. And it's just kind of taken off from there. And so now it's, it's part of my schedule. I've got, um, you know, Janet Kane, the uh, CEO of Sevrar coming up uh, uh, in a, a week. I've got Dustin Brom scheduled. They're all, those interviews are coming up next week. Um, but that was my path to, to podcasting was listening to podcasts for the first time and really getting involved in them and going, I think I could do this. And I think it would be a great way to bring some value um, to and name recognition and branding to Chicago title, as well as allow the realtors and lenders and, and all the different industry leaders that I put on the podcast, uh, a chance for them to kind of share their message with more people as well. I, I love, I so love that you've done this for us. And, and I say that as a collectively us because it has become my must listen to, you know, I look forward to it weekly and I've learned so much from your different guests that you've had on and my real estate world has gotten so much bigger because of you on so many levels, but this podcast uh, and the real estate sessions has taken it to a different level. So uh, on behalf of us, I can't thank you enough. It's, it's fantastic. So um, who is your one guest out there that if you could get on, it would be like, oh. Hmm. Well, Sorry, that's kind of a they, no, that's fine. Do they have to be in real estate? <laughs> no, not at I mean, all. Obviously, for me, I mean, getting a Gary V to do the show would be insane. Uh, I've li I listen to a lot of his stuff, just about everything he does. And he's s such a, a focused, I, I feel genuine guy that that would be uh, that would be a lot of fun. Very I cool. 
Very cool. Well, it's it's been phenomenal the different guests you have had on this podcast. And, you know, one of the things that you've also done for me that was so incredibly valuable was you got me involved in Ignite. And uh, to prepare for Ignite and even to do my submission, I went back and I looked at your Ignite off of the YouTube. And so you got to tell me about Barbara. You gotta tell me about Barbara Streisand and your love affair with Barbara Streisand. So, I'm 17 years old. My aunt Suzanne asks me to stay at her condo, which was in kind of the Ocean Beach area of San Diego, as a 17-year-old, and getting the keys to the Chevy Monza that uh, I was going to get to drive for the week while she was gone. That was a no-brainer. I bought a buddy of mine, Mark, and we stayed at this place. And she had a, just a ton of albums. She was eight years older than me, so she was in her mid-20s. ton of albums. And I come across this album, this white album, with this pencil drawing of Barbara Streisand, and I knew who she was. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I threw it on the uh, turntable and played the album, and I just instantly loved it. It was The recording was live at the Forum. It was a fundraiser in 1972 for George McGovern. This is going way back. And... I thought, this is great. I really liked it. And that started me down that path of kind of finding her music and listening to it. And remember, in those days, it was you know, albums or 45s or on the radio and that sort of thing. Occasional 8-track. I think I do have a couple of those floating around somewhere. But um, then I met Cindy in 1980. And so here I'm three years later. I meet now my wife. And she is a movie fanatic, and she also loved Barbara Streisand, and she introduced me to the movie What's Up, Doc? And so you got to think hard about this. I think we went and found What's Up, Doc at a rental store, and it was like $20 to rent it. This is what it was like, kids, back in the day. And I absolutely love that movie. It's my one of my all-time favorite movies, and that just took me down a path where it just kept growing and growing and became sort of a joke with most people. They just knew that I enjoyed her and as time keeps passing along i've you know seen cindy and i've been to four of her concerts uh, we were there in 1994 when she did the big comeback in vegas uh, we've seen her as recently as just a couple years ago in vegas as well and so it's just the weirdest thing i just think she's the greatest female singer of all time i say that in my presentation i don't care about ella fitzgerald or billy holiday or celine dion she's by far the best female singer of all time and uh, she's hilarious in her movies and sometimes extremely serious. You want to see The Prince of Tide or Nuts? They're incredible dramatic turns. And I think she did get ripped off for Yentl in 1984. It's just because Hollywood was male-dominated and they didn't like a woman winning anything back then. So anyways, thanks for bringing that up, Holly. You knew you were going to get me fired up. <laughs> I just I think she's amazing. <laughs> I love a fired up bill, especially about something that you're so passionate about. And <laughs> and so for those of you listening, if if you really want to see an extended version of Bill Fired Up with a little bit of uh, photo enhancement, do check out his Ignite presentation. It's Ignite Phoenix. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. And it is a stellar five-minute presentation from our very own uh, Bill. I have to say back to you, though, you also want to go on the Ignite Phoenix channel and look up, just type in bagpipes, and you'll see Holly's five minutes on her career as a bagpiper, and it's awesome. <laughs> you know, it's just a mutual admiration society. Well, Bill, I can't – first, I get to take over your podcast. I get to interview you, 
and you get to share with us everything from the San Diego Padres to Barbara and all things real estate. That's that's pretty awesome. I can't wait to see what you do in the next 50 episodes because you've done so much that has really kind of set the stage for what real estate is, not only in Arizona, but nationwide. And I, I'm super, super excited for it. So with that is, I think, what was the question you asked me? What is the one thing you want real estate agents or realtors out there to know? And so if you could give them one piece of, piece of advice, what would that be, Bill? You know, I actually thought about this question, but since we've been talking, it's kind of changing in my mind. I mean, I was hoping you would close with this. And so, you know, for me, it's pay attention. And I think that realtors get so caught up in, in the, all the things that are out there and all the different things that they're offered and all the tools and all the shiny objects and all that stuff. How about just pay attention to the people that you're talking to? Stay in the moment be connected to people, build relationships, and to steal a phrase from Sean Carpenter, if you can solve problems, build relationships, and have some fun, you're gonna have a great day every single day you do that. That might be the best advice I've heard all day. Well, Bill Risser, thank you. Thank you for your time and letting me play along and be your host today. And friends, you've been listening to the Real Estate Sessions, and gosh, look for a new session every Tuesday, some great guests coming up as you heard. Bill? I hope you have a great afternoon. Thank you. Thank you, Holly. You've been listening to The Real Estate Sessions with Bill Risser of Chicago Title, Arizona. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and tell your friends about The Real Estate Sessions as new episodes are published weekly.